Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series on the Book of Romans with this message entitled, The Center of Christianity. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 3 through 4. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. The Center of Christianity. What is the center of Christianity? It is the person and work of Jesus Christ. It is the cross upon which God, man, Jesus Christ was crucified for our sins. The center of Christianity. St. Paul in Romans 8 and verse 3 deals with the center of Christianity. That is, he deals with the person of Jesus Christ, God's incarnate Son, and his work of atonement, the death on the cross. It is a necessary verse without which We have no hope. It is necessary because it is the foundation for verse 2 and verse 1. That speaks about there is now therefore no condemnation. Instead we have great liberation. And these blessings rest on verse 3 of Romans 8. This verse deals with our problem, sin problem. No other religion deals with human sin problem. No other religion has a savior who saves his people from their sins. Elsewhere, St. Paul states to the Corinthians, For I resolved... To know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. To the Galatians he declared, you foolish Galatians who has bewitched you. Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Remember what Jesus himself declared Concerning his atoning work, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Center of Christianity is the cross. Because of this necessary verse of Christ's incarnation and atonement, We who are in Christ Jesus rejoice greatly. Because for us. There is therefore now no condemnation. For we have been liberated. From the law of sin and death. By the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Before sin and death ruled our lives. No more. 
Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, in his human nature, defeated our enemies of sin and death. Now, grace is king. Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, we ourselves are kings who receive the abundance of this grace. For us, no condemnation. For us, only liberation. All this because of God's saving work in the fullness of time through his incarnate son. So the reason for no condemnation, verse 1, and the reason for spirit's liberation, verse 2, is based on verse 3, in which God's work in Jesus Christ is described. So we read, for what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weak through the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. First, the weakness of the law. The law could not do certain things. What were these things? The Mosaic law, when interacted with our sin nature, failed to overcome sin and death. Sin instead defeated the law. The law failed to punish sin in the flesh. It could only pronounce judgment. Galatians 3.10, all who rely on observing the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. But it failed to defeat sin. It failed to punish sin in the flesh. It failed to justify, sanctify or glorify us sinners. It failed to give us eternal life. It failed to free us from sin's bondage. It failed to help us live a righteous life which the Lord demanded. Law failed to provide us what it demanded. Righteousness. It demanded righteousness, but it could not provide us with righteousness. It could not conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. It could only empower sin. So it is foolish to depend on law as the Pharisees did to justify himself. We need the gospel. It alone, we are told, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Why it was weak? The weakness of the divine law was not intrinsic. We are told the law was holy, just, good, and spiritual. The problem was with us, with our sin-dominated human nature, which we received from Adam. The law cannot give us divine nature, 
which we desperately need. To that we look to the gospel, to Jesus Christ our Lord. What the law was unable to do, God did. God's initiative. Romans 8.3 teaches us that salvation is 100% God's work. It is 100% the work of grace. Friends, do not forget God the Father. His role in the work of salvation. He planned our salvation in the eternal council before the creation of the world. To save his chosen sinners. So Paul says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessings in Christ. For in love... God chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Or Revelation 13 and verse 8. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. All whose names have not been written in the book of life belonging to the lamb slain from the creation of the world. Or read 1 John 4, 9 and 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Or St. Paul in Ephesians 2 verse 4 says. But because of his great love for us. God who is rich in mercy made us alive with him. What motivated the father to save us from our sins. And to make us glorious. It was his great love and rich mercy. He loved us because he loved us because he loved us. We were sinners of total moral inability. Dead in trespasses and sins. Objects of divine wrath. Sons of disobedience. Sinners without strength. Ungodly enemies of God. Yet God loved us with an undeserving, everlasting love. We could not save ourselves. Mosaic law could not save us. But God the Father does save us. Therefore, friends, have full assurance of your final salvation. Not Adam, but God is involved in our salvation. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is involved in our salvation. God never fails. Jesus never fails. Holy Spirit never fails. So be fully assured of your final salvation. And we are told the Father sent his own Son. In accordance, of course, with his eternal plan. He sent his own son to crush the head of the ancient serpent. 
He sent his own son in the fullness of time. Born of a woman, born under the law to redeem us who were under the law. He did not send a creature. He did not send the archangel. He did not send a mere man. Another Adam. No, he sent his own son. This sending was not an afterthought. It was in accordance with eternal counsel. He sent his eternal son. He sent him down to earth from heaven. From the bosom of the father. He sent his one and only son. His unique son. His beloved son. Not his friends. Father planned our salvation. Son accomplishes it by his incarnation and atonement. And the Spirit applies the salvation to us. Spirit liberates us from the law of sin and death. If God is for us then, who can be against us? Sin and Satan will not have the last word. God, Triune, has the last word concerning us. And that last word is salvation, eternal life, justification, glorification, sanctification. God sent his son to this earth to bring many sons to glory. Adam was called son of God. Angels are called sons of God. We are called sons of God by regeneration and adoption. But Jesus Christ is eternal God, the one and only Son, second person of the Trinity, uncreated Son who created all things, and all things exist because of him. Arian heresy we heard about. Arians thought Jesus Christ was a creature. It is a heresy, and many people believe that. Many theologians believe that. Many ministers nowadays are Arians. But Paul says Jesus Christ is God's own son. He is God. Whom God the Father sent to save us. There is no other savior but Jesus Christ. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. No science, no human philosophy, no political leader, no material riches, no other religion can save us. God sent Savior, His Son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Repent. Or perish. Believe or perish. He is one in glory with the Father. Co-eternal and co-equal. Adam failed but his own son did not fail. He never fails. No sin, no devil, nothing in all creation can frustrate Jesus Christ from saving us. Our salvation is guaranteed By our triune God into whose name we have been baptized. God sent his son. Whose existence in heaven 
as God preceded his human existence. God spared Isaac. God spared us. But he did not spare his own son. But gave him up for us all. He sent his own son. Now we read in the likeness of sinful flesh. This is a unique expression nowhere else found in the Bible. In the likeness of sinful flesh. We read elsewhere about incarnation. John 1 verse 14, word became flesh. Galatians 4, 4, born of a woman. Philippians 2, 7, made in the likeness of men. 1 Timothy 3, 16, God was made manifest in the flesh. Hebrews 2, 14, he shared in our humanity of flesh and blood. Hebrews 10.5, a body thou hast prepared for me. Romans 1.3, of the seed of David, katasarka, according to the flesh. Luke 24, verse 39, Jesus himself says that he has a body of flesh and bones. But Romans 8.3 says, en homo in the likeness of sinful flesh. First, it doesn't say in the likeness of flesh. That is the heresy called docetism, a first century heresy. From the word docale, it means it seems. That is, his body was a phantom, or that Christ came. On a human Jesus at baptism. And he left at the cross. That means he seemed to have a body. But in reality, no. This heresy is dealt with by St. John in 1 John 4, 2 and 3. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Orthodox must confess Christ came in the flesh. Was crucified, dead, buried, and on the third day raised from the dead. Watch one's doctrine, not his performance. Doctrine is of fundamental importance, friends. When you go and visit other churches, listen to what he is teaching. If it is not Bible, have nothing to do with that person or that church. Doctrine, friends. Doctrine. Number two, it doesn't say in sinful flesh. The body of Christ was sinless, the Bible declares. The popular theologian Karl Barth thought the body of Jesus Christ was sinful. That's why he was not orthodox. A sinful Jesus cannot save us. He needs a savior. The Bible teaches that he was sinless. 
Luke 1, 35, he is called the holy thing, the son of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he knew no sin. Hebrews 4, 15, tempted like us in all things, yet without sin. Hebrews 7, 26, he is called holy, blameless, and separate from sinners. Hebrews 9, 14, unblemished, that is without spot. 1 Peter 1 verse 19, without blemish or spot. Acts 2 verse 24, it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Why? Because he was sinless. The wages of sin is death. But he was sinless. Death did not have any power. He laid down his life freely for our sins. And on his own accord, he took it up again. As I said, if Jesus were sinful like us, he would need a savior. In the likeness of sinful flesh. That is, according to John Murray, the son came into the closest relation to sinful humanity that it was possible for him to come without becoming himself sinful. Incarnation was extreme humiliation for the Son of God. For he became subject to all human frailties except sin. Adam was without sin, yet he was tempted in paradise and fell. Jesus Christ was without sin. He came to this fallen world, yet he was tempted in all points like us. He and he alone felt the greatest intensity and power of temptation. Yet he did not sin. He didn't fail. Yes, he was tempted. He became weary. He suffered pain and sorrow and disappointment. He wept. He became mortal. He died. Why did he become incarnate? To honor God's law in his life and in his death, actively and passively. Adam failed to glorify God. Jesus Christ glorified his father by obeying God's law. He obeyed God's law as our head and representative. In our place he obeyed. He fulfilled the law in every respect perfectly. So we enjoy no condemnation. We enjoy full liberation. We can resist the devil. And we can address him. Christ died for my sin. All of it. And Christ obeyed in my place every law perfectly. Because we died with him, buried with him, and raised with him to live a new life. And so Paul says in Romans 6, 6 through 7. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be rendered powerless. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. 
God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. The son possessed the necessary qualification to act as our substitute. Praise God for substitutionary atonement. So what is true of Jesus is true of his people. So sin and death have no claim on us. He sent his son, his own son, in the likeness of sinful flesh. And now for sin, perihamartyas. For sin. God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. For what purpose? To deal with our sin problem and solve it once and forever. No man can save himself. So we needed a savior. His name is Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. He dealt with our sin problem. That kept us from fellowshipping with God. This sin problem, this Adamic nature. Brought us under law, under sin, under death, under Satan. Christ was sent to solve our sin problem once and for all. Peri Hamartius. For sin. In the Septuagint, this phrase means for sin offering. Isaiah 53 and verse 10. Christ came to solve our sin problem by offering himself to God as a sin offering. He came to bear our guilt and be crucified. That he may remove in his death our spiritual death and our physical death. The whole sacrificial system pointed forward to him. Because we are told the blood of bulls and goats cannot cleanse our conscience from sin. So God prepared for him a body in which he lived and died as our substitute. God sent his own son in human nature to suffer the wrath of God that was due us. God did not spare him. He poured upon him his wrath that he may be just and justifier of those who believe in the person and the atoning work of Jesus. Yes, Jesus offered himself as a sin offering that we might receive in place of sin nature, divine nature of Jesus Christ. He tasted death, our death, in our place. And so we read, we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death. So that by the grace of God he may taste death for everyone. Friends, do you know that we don't die? We sleep in Jesus. And we are told God condemned sin in the flesh of Jesus Christ. And that's why sin, right now you understand, there is now therefore no condemnation. 
to those who are in Christ Jesus because God condemned our sin in the flesh of Jesus Christ. Why? What the law could not do, God did in his son. God punished our sin in the flesh of his son. By his death, the prince of this world, the devil was condemned and driven out. Our sins atoned. Law is fulfilled. No condemnation for us. Only liberation. Only victory. No more. We are under the power of law, Satan, sin and death. God condemned sin in his son in our place. As we already said, we are spared because God did not spare his one and only beloved son, Jesus Christ. So, friends, we overcome the devil. By the blood of the lamb and the word of his testimony. And the devil, super powerful angelic creation, runs from you. As you point your finger upon the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross in my place. God condemned in his court Satan and sin forever. By putting his son to death, Satan and sin are defeated. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. And First John 3, 8, he who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. The cross of Christ solved our sin problem. From there he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The answer is to solve the sin problem of my elect sinners that they may be justified, sanctified, glorified. To bring many sons to glory. God broke the power of sin and Satan by his son's death. God accomplished his judicial action through the sacrifice of Christ. He caused his son to descend to hell for us. The hell climaxed at Calvary. Professor Hendrickson. What a glorious exchange. Christ took upon himself our sin and guilt that we may be given his perfect righteousness. He died our death. So we live his life forever. Psalmist says in Psalm 75 verse 8, in the hand of the Lord is a cup full of foaming wine mixed with spices. It is cup of his fury, his wrath. And Jesus Christ took it. It was our cup, sir. And he took it. And he drank it. To the last drop, he emptied it. And now Psalmist says in 116, the Psalm verse 13, I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. 
our cup of salvation runneth over our cup with the new wine of the Holy Ghost cup of rejoicing cup of salvation now we are in Christ Jesus we are under the rule of Jesus Christ King Grace the guilt of sin is gone the power of sin is gone we overcome Satan and sin soon we shall be perfected at death our spirit shall be made perfect at Christ's coming this body of humiliation shall be transformed to conform to Christ's glorious body so we experience the benefit of Christ's redemption friends in three stages first stage now we are made alive we are given eternal life we are given pardon and power we are not in the flesh we are in the spirit and we resist sin and we win and we resist Satan and we win in Jesus Christ number two at death our spirit shall be perfected to dwell with God which Saint Paul says is gain far better and a blessed condition and three the third stage at Christ's coming our miserable bodies we will exchange for a glorious body imperishable immortal glorious and all this because of what the father did in his son all this show God's great love for us and let me read to you friends and maybe you could turn to 1st Corinthians chapter 15 and beginning with the verse 52 it's good once in a while to read it in a flash in the twinkling of an eye and the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound the dead will be raised imperishable and will be changed for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality when the perishable has been clothed with imperishable and mortal with immortality then the saying that is written will come true death has been swallowed up in victory where oh death is your victory where oh death is your sting the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law but thanks be to God he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ by his life and death on the cross in time for his people therefore my dear brothers stand firm let nothing move you always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain so Jesus said don't be anxious why is that your heavenly father knows what you need not just apple and and meat and tapioca and clothing what we needed was freedom from sin and he knew our need and he took care of our need now don't worry about anything he knew from all eternity what we really needed he sent his own son to hell fullness of time he has redeemed us rejoice praise worship serve God with thanksgiving You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio of this message entitled, 
the center of Christianity. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew. 